Hello everyone and welcome to the CMO Stories podcast episode 45. My name is Julie Bilast. I'm your podcast host and this podcast is all about marketing as you know. Today we have a guest. I think at this moment you are in the US, Anthony. That's right. Yep, that's correct. That's correct. I know you're traveling a lot. That's why I'm asking the question. So guys, Anthony Kopic, he leads IBM's Agile Digital Sales by applying the principles and values of Agile with the changing world of inbound digital sales. I like this combination, Anthony, but perhaps tell a bit more to our audience. What is it about? Well, Yuri, it is the CMO podcast, so marketing is forefront here. And what I believe is that sales with marketing beats sales and marketing. And that small little shift between and to with, with marketing, what that needs to look like, uh, I often joke about it, like there's often a situation where someone will come to your website, but I can't think of a time when they think, you know, what I'd love to do is uh, get some marketing content and then maybe get into a nurture campaign and maybe a drip program. Be wonderful if I was passed over to a partner and then maybe a salesperson can follow up. They don't have that experience. They have the brand. They think about what they're looking for their pain point or their opportunity and they're looking for your brand to see if you can solve that for them so while it might be true that there's sales marketing product etc inside the organization the customer can't experience that the customer needs to experience the brand period though the way you are to the world is the way they need to experience it for their benefit so i believe the best way to do that is to take sales with marketing behind the scenes and create true collaboration not just the fun word like synergy but actually collaborate and work together through shared objectives and discrete key results so that we actually create and deliver value for the benefit of the client prospect right and so how do you make them work together? Because of course, that's what everyone wants, eh? sales and marketing. You often see that they are, you know, do say that they don't have the right leads or enough leads and, and, and marketing will say you are not closing our leads. So that's probably what we always see. Do we have a solution for that too? Yeah, blame and shame are never the solution, right? Pointing fingers never solves anything. What it does is it creates enmity and it separates and it keeps an us versus them. But there's a we that's missing. And so I don't make them, Yuri. <laughs> that's the funny thing. <laughs> if I made them, I would get another level of compliance. And another level of compliance is one more thing to do. That's not yeah. very helpful. So an agile sales and marketing team, agile marketing, agile sales, is around taking the principles and values that were created for software development, agile, and saying, how do we actually leverage those principles and values in our context. So in most companies nowadays, especially in the tech space, there is some aspect of agile, especially when it comes to developing software. And I think most people have heard the term, though not a lot of people really understand what it is outside of uh, software development. And mm -hmm. why it's important to have this concept is once the light bulb clicks, you would go, well, of course we want that. So let me give you the example. Did you know back in 1995, Microsoft released Windows 95? Do you know when the next release was? Do you remember? Whoa, I think it was uh, some time later. Yeah, not directly, but I don't remember. No, just tell Windows 98, three years oh, later. Oh yeah, that's right, yeah. So there was a group of people who were in programming and program management and really around software. And, and they said, there's gotta be a better way than these long 
delays in releasing new things because you were never right in what you thought you were going to deliver. You were always wrong because so much changed. And the market had to wait a long time. Now think of your smartphone. When's the last time you thought about doing a software update in your smartphone? Probably nice. never. You don't think about it. It's pushed, you know, and then you do it because Correct. it's pushed. Yeah. And it's pushed so frequently that when you look at the version, and I'm going somewhere with this, but when you look at the version of 1.1.4.9, right, that's an incremental chunk, a small step forward towards getting to version 2.0, right? But they take small bites. And the way they do that is they chunk that up into small bits of work. They have a hypothesis. They test that. They see how it goes. They learn and then they improve and then they deliver a little bit more and they're continuously delivering a little bit of improvement to your software all the time. And then once in a while you get a big push, which is significant updates, but they don't make you wait for that. They give you something all along the way and they make it better and more secure as you go. Now let's take that into the world of marketing and sales. What are your clients trying to do? There's only two things. They are trying to solve a problem or they're addressing something that's a potential opportunity, a growth opportunity. It's not bad, it's just possible, but they haven't realized it yet. A lot of people come because of pain though. There's something that's not working or they, they wanna stop it from being inefficient or ineffective. And so they're looking to your solution for how you can help with that. And what we wanna do is say, how do we chunk up the delivery of that in small ways so that we can learn what doesn't, doesn't work? Because the market changes faster than any human can keep up with, right? So what we have to do is be responsive, not react. And how we do that is hypothesis testing. We want to figure out if this is what the data is telling us, if this is the feedback we're hearing from users and prospects, if this is what the salespeople are talking about, and if this was what marketing's data says, what does all that mean together? You can't look at just the clicks in marketing and understand the market. You can't listen to just the salesperson and fully understand the market. You actually have to go talk to somebody and look at the measurements and validate with feedback. And that combination is what Agile is so powerful for. So what we've done is we've created a way to come together that says we're going to use objectives and key results, OKRs. And we're going to say the objective is for the benefit of the client, we're going to create and deliver this value. The key results are, we think our hypothesis is these are ways we would do that. And then the actions we do under that are the actual testing, the actual trying to make those calls, send those emails, change the landing pages. We're working really hard together now to try to figure out what's the best experience. And it's a combination of quantitative data with qualitative data, i.e. feedback, from the people using the tool, from the sellers, from the marketers. And together, we actually learn much faster what works. And we don't have a quarterly go-to-market strategy. We have a weekly go-to-market strategy. We can have a daily market go-to, or we can have an hourly go-to-market strategy, right? It's we are responsive instead of reactive. And that's the power of agility inside marketing with sales. Yeah, I guess it's also a different mindset for people. Eh? You know, Huge. everyone knows that it's important to measure. I had in the past a business analytics company and actually we were doing projects in most, I would like to call it an agile way, because if not, the projects are never delivered, as you know. 
But then what I hear now, eh, of course, it's important to have a strategy there. I see yes. in practice that people don't always have a, a long-term strategy, but then on the short term, as you explained, you should test if it makes sense. There are different parts, as you say, and you need to measure. And then on a daily, weekly basis, that's something that I don't see often happen. Does it take much effort for people to do that? Because I think everyone should be aligned and It takes intentional effort. You have to intend to do it. You have to actually create the shared mindset and understanding around that. So yeah, it doesn't, it's not just go be this way. It's not magic. You don't snap your fingers and it's better. No. But one of the easiest things about it is, I don't know how it is for your listeners, but in, in most of the companies I've been around and what I read on LinkedIn and everywhere else is there's too many meetings. And one of the reasons for that is most of the meetings or many meetings are status updates. So you got a bunch of people sitting around waiting to say something that it's in a report, it's in a dashboard, but this person doesn't know that and the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. And so you find yourself in another meeting, not adding any value or receiving any value. One of the things we do is by rolling this new way of working, this mindset together is we say, how do we eliminate all status update meetings? So I literally, for all the teams, we eliminate them. You don't have them because you don't okay. need them. Why? Because with our ability to see at a high level, the objectives and key results, what's happening, why it's happening, what our progress is, we visualize that. And we yeah. use tools for this. We also then say, how do we manage the day-to-day -day activity? And between those two, we have a very good understanding of not how to inspect the work, but how to understand what is needed for the work. So think of it this way. We're going to delegate not just the responsibility to your marketers, not just the responsibility to the sellers. We're going to delegate the authority. So they're not working out of their level of hierarchical authority. They're working out of their boss's boss's level of authority. Mm -hmm. And what we're doing is we're pushing control down and we're assuring they have all that they need. And then when they need something, because we have feedback now, we have real feedback that leads to change. Guess what? Now the manager's role is shifted. Instead of telling people what to do, now they're supporting and saying, what do you need me to do for you? And how do I help skill us up in areas where we're weak? Where do we need more knowledge and training at? And how do I help with that? Who do I go and facilitate? How do I provide the air cover for you? So it really shifts the world quite a bit. So uh, the roles are still there, but the way we come together and how we delegate, not just responsibility, but the authority that goes with it is a game changer. So there mm -hmm. is a mindset shift. So what I always say three to 5% of their time is going to be spent in the overhead of what I just described, you know, this high level understanding yeah. of our overall progress and then the tactical action tracking and understanding there, but you're going to get 30% back kind of on average. That's what I've found. So that's a five percent cost with a 25% net gain. I don't care who you are. If you get a quarter of your week back, that does not suck, right? So it, it's worth it. Nothing's free. There is a cost, right? But what we're trying to do is shift those costs and say, what if we freed you to actually go sell? What if we freed you to be a marketer? What if we freed you to understand how to serve our prospects and clients better? That's what we're doing. And it actually really works well. I will leave with one last thought on that, which is this. I recently had a group that I had brought through this for six months. This is several, five teams, five large teams. And so what I asked at the end of it is if we took this all away, if we took the objectives and key results away, if we took all this, all of our tooling away, and we just went back to what you did before the way you did before, 
Honestly, if you want to go back, raise your hand. Like, who would want to go back? Not only did they say no, but they came off mute and were on a video call and they're raising their hand like, no, I will never go back to that because that was so ineffective. Like, we are so much better now. So they didn't believe that on day one, but by demonstrating that it works for their benefit and therefore for the benefit of our prospects and clients, you free them to actually go do their job. You free them to have the room to experiment and fail because as long as you're learning, it's not really failure. If you stop learning, that's a problem, right? But the whole yeah. point of this is to learn. How do you respond and not react? Okay. For instance, you meet a team like that where sales and marketing are not working as they're supposed to do. They do it. too much meetings, too many meetings, because you know that we see it ev- this everywhere. How do you start making this transformation towards, you know, a better way of working, as you say? How do you start with that? Well, it is a transformation. So a caterpillar does not become a butterfly by putting butterfly wings on a caterpillar, right? Mm-hmm. We don't optimize the caterpillar. We don't keep it the way it was and just try to make it fly. So you actually have to transform the caterpillar and the butterfly are the same organism, same DNA, right? That it's the same. The expression of that DNA is very, very different. And so it is with the transformation. We're saying we used to be this way. We want to become more like this for the benefit of the world and our customers. Therefore, what will need to change? And you intentionally leave behind the old to embrace the new. So in the ecosystem of, a, of an organization, marketing and with sales are not the two organizations that make up the whole company. There's others. So even yeah. if the rest of the organization is not transforming, you can. And this is what we've done here at IBM. This is what I've done with other companies, uh, Fidelity Investments and others, where we're taking the opportunity to think through how do we get to where our future state is? It's not going to resemble the past on purpose. You maintain the DNA, the essence of who you are, the importance of the things that are unique to you. You absolutely maintain those. But the way you get there, very different. The metaphor I would give anybody who's ever been on, on a trip, if you remember growing up when maybe your parents had maps where they would literally have to have a paper map in front of them to know the route that they're going to go on to take a road trip. Well, now it's just, you know, we have Google Maps and it's on our phone or Apple Maps. And so we don't need the physical thing in front of us. Yet in most organizations, we treat people like we have to give them the map and we use a highlighter and tell them which routes to take. And we tell them when to, to report in. Like it's it's so command and control. It is so hierarchically top down that we're missing the opportunity to get the genius from the people doing the work. Mm-hmm. So instead, I would say, here's a GPS. I'd like you to be at this destination, this city by the end of the week. Don't spend more than this. That's your budget. But tell us what you learn. And so I say they're going to go to this one city, but on the way they stopped at another city and they found, oh, wow, there's really opportunity here. This metaphor breaks down a little bit because, you know, there's the constraints are so normal on a linear path and in business, it's not quite so linear, but, but the concept is valid, which is if you trust the people to make wise data-driven decisions as they go, they're probably not only going to get there faster and under budget or on budget, but they're probably going to have a great journey and learn things on the way. It's not just about the destination. The journey is the point. And they right. should come back to us and say, Oh, by the way, that, that goal you set for the quarter turns out we're learning that that goal is not as valuable as we thought it would be. The goal, which again, I'm not saying my boss is a bad person or the executive came up with it. No, I'm just saying we're learning this. And so it's away from that goal, but it sure is valuable. Well, that gives us data to go make a decision about, should we change our quarterly goals? Should we change our roadmap? Should we change what we're trying to deliver based on what we're learning? 
And that's the game changer. Imagine how responsive you could be when you weren't having to take a, a, a customer or a prospect down a path you know, but you take them down a path they know, right? Because you're solving for them. And, and if you think of it that way, they don't come orbit your company, you go orbit theirs. And it's right. that shift that really makes it so powerful. Agile with agile marketing, agile sales really helps us do that together. So we have a unified, clear and aligned purpose of what we're trying to achieve and how we're measuring that progress and understanding it, including what isn't working. So we want to know what works, what doesn't, and what are we going to do about it? And we empower the teams to tell us. Right. I think it's amazing that you can do this at IBM, which is so large company organization. I think it's easier to do it in, in smaller companies with smaller teams, uh, which are, you know, have less, I would say, management layers. Because my experience is like 10, 50 years ago, when I did like proposal for government organizations together with IBM, it took so much time, you know, to finish on time because there were so much things happening and also meetings. So I, I think that's great. If you can do it at IBM, eh? of course, in these times, a lot has changed since then. Eh? I think everybody can do this. But what I'm thinking also is you say, okay, there are less meetings, but sometimes people also like to have these meetings to be in touch and to be. Absolutely. Meetings so aren't bad. Bad meetings, unproductive meetings are bad, but good meetings, absolutely. In fact, we actually have a lot more small ad hoc meetings with one or two or three people. We do a lot more of that and we do asynchronous uh, communication with Slack. So it doesn't always need to be a meeting, but we do want the relationships, right? Where we want people to communicate. We have many ways that we en enable that and actually encourage that. We just don't need everybody on the call at the same time, sitting and listening, not participating, not gaining or delivering or creating any value. So what we do instead is say, you tell us if, if you need to not be in that meeting, don't be in the meeting. But we do uh, manage through how do we know where we are and we leverage tools for that, right? So it's not the tail wagging the dog, the tools serve us, not the other way around, but, but there is work. It's not free, right? You don't just say, yeah. oh, no meetings. How great is that? And oh, by the way, I've done this with a small SaaS. So I did this with a company that okay. I started with just two teams, right? Two teams, one in uh, the Netherlands and one in the States here. And what we found was it was just as hard. It wasn't as complex, right? Less layers to your point, but it's just as hard. Why? Because for most humans, change is bad. <laughs> People don't really want change. But once you introduce something that benefits them and they see the value and you make their world better, change is worth it. That's what we've got to do. Our job to, is to help make sure that the change is worth it. But change is always hard in the short term. Always. Yeah. That's yeah. okay. And of course, you need, that's what I did, you know, as a fraction of the CMO, I joined a company. First thing I did was take the salespeople and the marketing people and put them together so that we could have like what you said, a common objective. Where do we want to go and how will we do it? And they see the bigger picture and then, of course, you lose step by step. But what I'm learning today is we can be way more agile in the way that we are doing stuff and have a look at what are all the meetings that we are doing and how can we make them yeah, more compact and more, I would say, efficient, but that's... Uh, and effective. And effective, of course, yeah, because you are just doing stuff. You don't have, there is no objective that you're reaching that doesn't help. Yeah, Anthony, I guess uh, you could talk a long time about this subject. And I guess people, <laughs> uh, if they want to connect with you, if they heard something that you said that reson is resonating with them, how can they uh, contact you or be in touch with you? 
Well, the easiest way is LinkedIn, obviously. I think you've got my link here, and I'm sure you'll put it up here in a moment, but it's easy to get a hold of me there. I also publish over on medium.com, and yeah. I have uh, just a blogging platform, right? So I, I publish quite a bit over there. So I've, I've done a number of articles and posts. Um, I've obviously done interviews like this and other videos, so there's a lot of content I've put out there. But at the end of the day, I think the ultimate thing is just deciding, do you want to be customer centric, customer focused and have a marketing with sales, or do you not want to change? And whatever your answer is, is your answer. But for those who don't want the status quo, when they do want to change, just know that there's a way to do this and it scales. People don't scale, but agility helps us scale. Right. Well, I think that's a beautiful quote to end our podcast with. Thank you so much, Anthony. It was a pleasure Yuri, to have thank you. Thank you. So guys, if this talk resonated with you and if you think that people around you can benefit from it, be sure to share it. Share my podcast with your friends, with your colleagues, with other marketing leaders that you think can benefit from it. And of course, I would like to see you in the next podcast episode. Bye-bye.